Before we get started, I need to make this disclaimer. This entry features aspects of my lore that is considered mature content. It will be graphic because, well, like I've stated before, the Yen were not necessarily born through humble means. If you are uncomfortable, I understand, but this is going to dive deep into the harsh reality that is the birth of the Yen. So, you were warned. In a universe where life does not end at death, we explore the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Welcome to our Thadian Anthologies. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the Arthadian Anthologies podcast, where I, MS Arthadian, dive into the ever-expanding universe I'm developing and the deeper meaning behind it all. We have made it to the final entry in this Yen saga. You've learned about Prima and how she paved the path for her species to become independent from their torturous past. You've learned about how their matriarchal societies flourished and how they've regressed into what they once feared. You've witnessed a Yen Chosen make the ultimate sacrifice for her people, believing that in a core without her, things might be better off. And in this final story arc, since you've followed Master Forger, Asuma Lanez, into the cosmic sense of the all-seeing eye, you've come across a realization that even she cannot believe. You can see the change that has occurred from the choice made by our unknown chosen. Now, in this final entry, the all-seeing eye will show just how expansive its sight truly is. So without further ado, let's dive in. Where am I? Waking into a laboratory Where electric pulses charge into a domed helmet Attached to her head Asuma is unable to recall where she just was But she can hear her conscience overwhelming her mind Pleading to know where she is Diving deeper, trying to make sense of the situation, she believes herself to be a Spore Prime. From within the expanse, before it became the Infinite. Her name is Yen. Oh, hello, Mother. So glad you've woken up. Now we can begin! That voice reminds her of her son. Not Asuma's, but Yen's. Carson? Is that you? What's going on? Hearing his footsteps, Asuma tries to gain control over the body she finds herself in, but in trying to do so, she is distracted by a hand caressing her leg. 
Then a warm liquid is lathered onto her skin, like she's being prepared as a meal. You always told me that with my amazing intellect, I could have any woman I desired. Carson, what are you doing? Yen responds, as Asuma struggles to let out any amount of energy she can muster, but it's useless. She can feel the body is under severe paralysis, so instead she tries to call out with her mind. All-seeing eye, I know what you're doing. I am not afraid of this. It may be painful, but what comes out of this event is the birth of something incredible. Carson then slams his fist against the metal bed he has his mother bound to. She doesn't love me! He cries as his yellow eyes sink into Yen's soul. Asuma can feel the fear rising in the body as Yen attempts to comfort her son. It's going to be okay. Let's talk through this. Oh, I've, I've talked enough. I've, I've talked enough. I've talked enough. I figured that since the only person that loves me is you, you wouldn't mind being my present for her. He walks back to the console where he begins the experiment. A clock begins ticking, with tubes filling with a green and yellow mixture. He then pours the mixture into a large vial as clunks of solid matter cling to the glass. The chemicals begin to cause a strange electrical reaction as he presses a button at the edge of the bed and it opens a crevice that he pours the mixture into. The reaction of the mixture and the liquid he lathered on her body then causes the body to relax, no longer paralyzed, but bound up all the same. Son, what is this? Get me out of here! And my darling mother... You will become the mother of all swore, and the mother of all your kind. He laughs maniacally as she sinks into the chemicals and she feels her body contort. Her legs begin aching up towards her pelvis as a sharp pain focuses on her abdomen. Osma and Yen both clench as they scream out in agony. The pain continues to grow, worsening as they feel the chemical mixture sinking into their vaginal opening, splintering once inside and sculpting their body from the inside out. They can feel lumps that climb towards their breasts as Yen attempts to yank her arm out from the binds. Before she can, though, another horrific pain causes them to arch their back as they feel clunks of matter that were in the mixture push up into the fat of their breasts causing them to lactate the same chemicals they are merging with. Then, a final rush of pain causes an electrical surge to erupt in the helmet she is wearing as they feel their face begin to burn and their skin gets pulled back towards their temples straight into their earlobes. For Yen, it is too much to handle. Her mind breaks from the realization that her own son would do this to her. In the background, Carson continues to laugh, 
but that laughter becomes a point of reference for Asma. She can hear the guttural rumbling of the all-seeing eye, thinking he has broken her. At that moment, Asma could hear her old master's wisdom stemming from before the reset. The cosmos is interconnected with all realms. If you are to face an entity of such power, remember this. Knowledge of one's mind can be altered. Though you run the risk of losing said knowledge, so too shall the one that seeks to imprison you. Hearing this, the surrounding noises of laughter filled by the rumbling laboratory cease as Asma's soul lifts out of the body of Yen. She then hears the all-seeing eye disillusioned by her renewed strength of will. What What is going on? How can you move when you are at your deepest point of conflict? She looks up as a shining golden light rains down onto her. That's the difference between you and I. I'm willing to sacrifice my power reaching out towards the light. Asuma is thrust upward as the cosmic sense collapses in on itself and the all-seeing eye responds with acceptance. It seems you are a formidable adversary. Very well, Asuma Lanes. We will meet again. The light blinds her as she feels a breeze rush over her and engulf her body until her head ricochets from the impact of a hard surface. She hears the muffled voices of screams as she falls into a deep slumber. Time and again, voices she can't make out echo through her unconscious state. They repeat familiar phrases, such as, How is she doing? Her vitals are stable, but there's no telling when she will wake up. Keep her safe, and inform the council of when she does. We can't keep the Senate from questioning for much longer. Her mind then wanders back to the peaceful memories of Prima's garden. How her mother Lucille and aunt Luna Valeth used to show her the beautiful landscapes found there. How the vibrant colors painted a life of tranquility for all that sought it. Although some memories were peaceful... Others filled Asuma with sorrow. Quistus, her cousin, was to be an older sister, but that was cut short. This is because of the time where Asuma's father had to leave so he could hunt down the people that murdered her aunt and uncle. Being the oldest between her and Quistus, Asuma felt she had to stay strong for not only her cousin, but her mother as well. And then, there was a time where the rune forgers came 
her life had changed. Suddenly, her eyes lifted from their seals. A tear streaking down her cheek as the sight of the Rune Forger banner woke her. Veering towards all the monitors, Asuma pushed herself up into a sitting position and pressed the button to call the doctor. A moment passes, but she felt as if time was no longer present. Strange, she mutters, as a familiar voice penetrates the silence. Master Lanis, can you tell me what you remember? Looking up, she sees a reticon. Her eyes flinch for a moment as she breathes heavily, then looks again and sees the strap that signifies his rank. He is a master as well. She doesn't know him. How long has it been? She asks. The doctor steps up from behind the reticon. They are Yen. You've been out for three arrays now. In total, uh, 451 marks. The reticon forger lets out a heavy sigh. You rifted into the runic seminary on the harbor, falling about 20 meters from the air. You are now in Celeste Minari receiving care on behalf of the Celeste. All this happened right after you had been missing on a classified directive from the council for three cycles. So please, Master Lanis, what do you remember? Closing her eyes, only slight images come to her, but she cannot recall. The only thing that seems to affect her is her distaste for a reticon, but she can't come to remember who they were. Opening her eyes, she looks up to him and stares at his markings, thinking that maybe he is behind this. His violet blue skin with dark green eyes that make her sweat as they pierce into her, reminding her of a strange, enigmatic feeling. Then she throws a question back at him. Apologies, Master. I seem to have forgotten a lot. What is your name? He pauses, closes his eyes just as she did, seeming to contemplate. Then, he says, I am Master Forger, Zirmo. I thank you for listening to this saga. Asuma Alanez will return in future entries, but for now, the Yen must move aside so that we can dive deep into the Reticon saga. If you are just now joining the anthology, check out OurThadianAnthologies.com for more content that expands this new expanding universe. 
You can also support the creation of this podcast by donating through the link found in the description of this episode. Until next time, travelers, be safe, stay safe, and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. <laughs> <laughs>